Welcome to the Word of Life AG podcast. Do you struggle with prayer? And how important is it, really? Well, today, Pastor Lisa Durant is going to help us with our prayer life. But first, if you want to view the full service, including worship, please head to our website at wordoflifeag.org. That's wordoflifeag.org. While there, you can also see what's coming up at the church or even check out some next steps. We're so glad you're getting caught up, so let's get right into today's message. Pastor Lisa has titled, Prayer, The Importance and Practice. Well, good morning, Word of Life. Good morning. Uh, if you're joining us for the first or second time here or you're joining us online, I hope you feel comfortable and welcome and loved. Uh, we, we intentionally try to create that for you and we're glad you're here. Um, I'm speaking today at the request of Pastor Tom on a very specific topic. And so um, when I'm, I, the way my brain works, and maybe some of you too, I like to put things in categories. Anybody else like to organize things in categories? Yeah, some of my administrative people here do. And so I was thinking about the core values um, that we're adopting as a church. And so this message, I would say, would um, hit two of those core values, embrace the essentials and commit to stretch. So this morning, I'm hoping that I'll be able able to go over some things um, that, are, that are fundamental to our faith, but also challenge us to stretch a little bit. Um, because I have the privilege to serve here as the care pastor, I was a little concerned when I, when I first was stepping into the role that I wouldn't get to work with kids anymore because I was the kids pastor. But fortunately, I still am able to serve as the chaplain for our school, Word of Life Christian Academy which means that uh, Pastor Annie and I work together to provide pastoral care for those students, and that includes chapel several times a week. Um, and so uh, a few weeks before Pastor Tom approached me and asked me to speak, um, I was teaching in kindergarten through fourth grade chapel, which is kind of like the Wild West of chapel. That's the best way for me to describe it. It's a lot of kids. Um, kindergarten through fourth grade. So you got to try to like shoot down the middle and hope that everybody catches up. And whatever I was teaching, on that morning, I don't even remember. For some reason, it inspired a lot of questions um, from the crowd. And some of the questions were on topic, most of them were not. Um, but one particular question caught my attention. It was from a first grade girl. And honestly, it was a question that I wonder if adults were honest with themselves if they would ask the same question. Kids just ask the question, right? So this is what she asked me in front of the entire room. Pastor Lisa, if God knows our hearts and our thoughts all the time, why does he want us to pray to him? We had five minutes left of chapel. So I said, you know what? We're going to talk about that another time. And I promptly forgot about it. But she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and so the very next chapel on Monday, she reminded me that I had not answered her question. So she asked a question that you may have asked yourself at one point. Um, again, maybe you haven't been able to verbalize that out loud, but why in the world do I need to pray to an all-powerful, all-knowing God who already knows my heart, already knows my thoughts, and understands what I'm thinking? And more than that, 
how do I approach that all-powerful, all-knowing God? Um, so this is a huge topic. So I decided to drill down to some basics and kind of narrow our focus today. Um, for some of you, this may be a reminder. Um, for some, it may be something where you might look at your prayer life and say, I need to tweak this or I need to change this. For some, I hope this is an encouragement to not be intimidated by the idea of prayer, but to make it part of your daily life. And I have several scriptures that I want to look at. Um, but before I do that, I want to highlight a couple of books that I can recommend because I am a practical preacher, as you, you probably know if you've heard me preach before. So I want to recommend some accessible and helpful um, resources as we talk about the importance and practice of prayer. So the first one I want to recommend is a book called Leveling the Praying Field. That's by Reverend Donna Barrett. She is the General Secretary of the Assemblies of God. I read this book about four years ago, and I just reread some portions of it in preparation from this sermon. for this sermon. This is easy to read, accessible, easy to apply to your life. Um, another book I want to recommend, actually Pastor Tom recommended this to me, very easy read, Praying the Bible by Donald S. Whitney. Um, this is a very enjoyable book, and I think anybody who picks it up will get something from it. So I'm going to reference some ideas from both of these today and uh, some other ideas, and hopefully you'll come away today with some action steps that you can apply to your life. You'll be inspired and challenged. So before we talk about prayer, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that we can come to an all-powerful, all-knowing God. We thank you that you welcome us into your presence. Holy Spirit, I pray today that you would shine a light on your word and you would speak. Change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So true to the question I was asked in chapel, you may ask, why in the world should I pray? And if I pray, how? And is there a formula? And when should I pray? And of course, what do I pray for? Um, so I won't even begin to suggest that I have all the answers to this, but I think we can go on a little journey together. So the first thing that I want to say, the, the very first foundational idea today is prayer is not just important, it is vital. Prayer is not just important, it is vital. And I feel like we can all be in agreement on this, but I want to uh, give you a couple of ideas. Dick Eastman says, prayer is the highest order of business, for it links a powerless human to the creative force of God's sovereign power. Now, as a Bible-believing church, we take the word of God and apply it to our life. We believe what it says. So, there are over 650 prayers in the Bible, and Scripture records 25 prayers of Jesus according to the Google. And um, there are a few Scriptures that I want to point to, but there are a whole lot more where we're actually told to pray. First Chronicles 16:11: Search for the word for the Lord and for His strength. Continually seek Him. Philippians 4.6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. So when God tells us to do something in the word, it's because he knows what's best for us. We're his children. He created us. Just like we parents see that our kids, what our kids want to do or don't want to do, and we know what's best for them in many situations. He always has our well-being at the top of his mind. Another reason to pray is that Jesus did it. 
He set an example for us. And when Jesus sets an example, we want to follow him. Now, if anyone had a reason not to pray, I would think it would be the Son of God, who had just left the glories of heaven in constant fellowship with the Father there, and yet he prayed often. Here are a few examples. Luke chapter 3, the very beginning of his public ministry when he was baptized. Luke chapter 6, we're told that he prayed all night before choosing his disciples. We see him going away privately to pray during key seasons. Just as uh, right after his, after his baptism, he did this. He spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting and praying, and he was tempted by the enemy and was ultimately victorious over him. Jesus prayed publicly, both as an example to and also for those who follow him. Most of you are familiar with a very well-known prayer, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. He prayed during times of ministry and miracles when he fed 5,000 people with just a filet fish meal, is what I tell the kids um, in chapel. With just a little bit of food, he fed 5,000 people. He thanked the Father for the food. He prayed in the garden before his arrest. He prayed on the cross, cross as he was dying for our sins. But I think one of the most compelling reasons for us to pray is that we are praying to a God who is active and involved in our lives. So while I was studying, I did a little digging. I went down a few rabbit holes. A lot of this sermon preparation was editing um, because there's so much to, to learn about prayer and so much to read about prayer. Um, but I did a little digging into the practice of prayer in the Old Testament and also what prayer to other deities would have looked like in other belief systems during that time. And it was interesting to note that there are differences between the prayers to... Um, uh, gods such as there were Babylonian gods like Ishtar and Shamash that were portrayed, um, and some Egyptian gods that I looked at. The, the Babylonian gods, many of them were portrayed as being asleep. They were asleep, and um, they were indifferent to the concerns of those who were praying to them. In fact, sometimes the people would do magical rituals in hopes of sparking the attention of the gods they were praying to or appeasing them in hopes they would listen. But in stark contrast to that, we see scriptures about an active, listening, involved God. Psalm 3-4 says, I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain. There were recorded prayers to a God who might be part of a council of gods. Maybe he's higher, maybe he's lower than them. But we pray to the one true God, Yahweh, and he's denoted as having no peer no equal, nobody like him. Deuteronomy 6, 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Another big difference between uh, these deities is they are one directional. In other words, people would come to them and make their sacrifices and pray, for them, pray to them, but they wouldn't really expect to hear anything back. But the first recorded prayer in Genesis is a two-way conversation between Abraham and God. And it shows us that God is in a relationship with us that involves communication with him and from him. Yahweh communicates directly with his people, answering their prayers through spoken and written words. How many of you are glad we serve a God who's not asleep in his chambers? He's not indifferent to us. He's alive and involved. Bringing all these ideas together, we can see that we serve a God who not only wants to hear from us, but also speaks directly to us and is part of our lives. And this is a relationship. 
Now, we just celebrated Valentine's Day, um, and I personally have a distinct advantage on this day because I gave birth to our youngest child, Joshua. He's serving over in Life Kids this morning. So I get to say every year at Valentine's Day, you know, I gave birth today. I should get something uh, today. But on Valentine's Day, we celebrate relationships, right? Especially loving relationships. And loving relationships require communication, listening, talking, spending time together, loving each other, getting to know each other. True, deep, loving relationships require those things. And Oswald Chambers says, in prayer, have no other motive than to know your Father in heaven. Perhaps the best reason to pray is the development of that loving relationship with the God of the universe, the one who created us, the one who knows us best, the one who listens to us, the one who speaks to us. So we pray because the Bible tells us to, because Jesus showed us to, and because it deepens our relationship with him. Prayer is a conversation with someone we love and someone who also loves us. The second thing I want to point out is prayer is a privilege. It's the privilege to bring everything to the one who loves us most. So this is what scripture has to say about that. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. And you, as you live in Christ Jesus. So that's pretty clear. We're supposed to pray about everything. Everything. And strangely, that's easier said than done, right? It's easier to go Google something or go complain to someone or vent about it somewhere. Um, to worry about it incessantly rather than going to him. So there are many different ways that we can go to him, different types of prayer, and I'm going to talk about just a few of them here. There are prayers of thanksgiving when we express gratitude for the goodness of God and what he's done for us. There are needs and requests or things that we are coming to him to ask for, either on our behalf or on the behalf of others. There's forgiveness when we have wronged God or we wrong someone else. I have to seek, seek his forgiveness so often because I'm a mess without him. Worries or anxiety or things that are heavy, we can take them directly to him. Bill Kirk says, worry is accepting responsibility that God never intended you to carry. He wants to take your worries and your anxieties. We can pray for our own spiritual growth. We can ask God to help us grow. I like to ask him to shine a light on me when I spend time in him, when I, with him. When I read his word, I say, shine a light on this, God, so I can understand it. Shine a light on my heart. Shine a light on what you have for me, because that's one of the things that he does really well. For those of us who've been given a prayer language through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that prayer time can be a time of growth and enrichment when we use that prayer language and we can be encouraged and our faith can be built up during that time. We can pray to develop our relationship with him. This is time spent with him when we intentionally listen for his voice and talk with him. And a little later, I'm going to talk a little more about that. So these are just a few of the things that we can go to God with and should go to God with. I like to tell our WOCA students all the time, if something's bothering you, talk to God about it. 
If you're happy about something, talk to God about it. If you don't know what to do about something, talk to God about it. Develop a practice now. It's like coming home and talking to your best friend about your day. The things that stressed you out, the things that didn't go well, the great things, the celebrations. That's our relationship with God. As I was preparing for this, I was reminded of an old hymn, which was my grandma Zare's favorite hymn. And it's, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. We can and we should bring everything to him. Not only because he cares about us, but also because he answers. I recently learned a story from my mother just a few weeks ago. I had never heard this story. Um, some of you may know that my mother's family is of Amish descent um, from uh, the Midwest. And so uh, some of my extended family is still Amish. I'm telling this story with my mother's permission, by the way. Um, and so when she, uh, when she was a little girl, her uh, grandparents were Amish. So my great-grandfather was an Amish man, and when he was fairly young, he was diagnosed with liver cancer, which, as you know, is a staggering diagnosis. And so he began to look and see what Scripture had to say. Now, in the Amish church, a lot of people don't actually read their Bibles. They listen to what's being told to them, um, but they don't necessarily search the Scriptures themselves. But he did, and this is the scripture that stood out to him. James chapter 5, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. So my great-grandfather decided, I'm going to take the word of God for what it says. And he went to the leaders of the church, and they didn't know what to do. They had never anointed anybody with oil, let alone pray for the sick for healing. But they decided to do it. And so they anointed him with oil, or they put some oil on his forehead, and they prayed for him and had faith that he would be healed. And when my great-grandfather passed away many, many, many years later as an old man, it was not from liver cancer. Because God hears our prayers, and he answers our prayers. If one person claps, we all have to. We can expect when we pray that God hears, he listens, and he responds. And that brings me to the practicality of this message, because it wouldn't be a practical message without, it wouldn't be my message without practicality. Um, so prayer deepens as we practice it. So I'm aware that in this room, and possibly online, there are some people that I would consider professional prayers. There are people here that spend hours, church, praying for you praying for others. Prayer is something they're called to. They stand in the gap and they intercede for you and for others. Those people I am thankful for. I am grateful for them. I know they pray for me and I know they pray for you and for many things going on around the world. They have such a deep prayer life because it's been developed over time. They have developed the practice of prayer. But for many in this room, this is either something new to you or something that you're trying to figure out how it works in your life. Um, or even maybe something that goes really well for a while and then it might fall flat. You're not sure why you're having trouble um, praying or spending time with God. So I just want to dispel any shame, 
any guilt, any weird heavies, as Pastor Annie would say, but that's going to be gone this morning as we go into some practicality. The enemy would love nothing more than to make you think that you can't pray or you don't know what you're doing. So we're not going to do that this morning. We're going to talk about what God's Word says and some practical things. So we're going to agree on that, right? We're going to be practical and agree on that. So how do we put into practice the knowledge that we pray because God is active in our lives and the idea that we can and should pray about everything? So here are just a few ideas that I gleaned from my reading, from my studies, and over, over the years. Um, the first practical idea is pray with others. Pray with somebody else. That keeps you accountable. It helps you um, agree together. And it's biblical. So um, we've got a couple scriptures here. Acts chapter 1. They all met together and were, cons- were constantly uniting in, united in prayer. Um, from Jesus in Matthew 13. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted on, in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything, you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Praying with other people, agreeing, is powerful. It's scriptural. It's biblical. It also allows us to be accountable to one another. And if you come to me and ask me to pray with you, I've now taken a portion of the burden with you and agreed with you. I'm with you on this. I'm praying for you. I have now agreed with you. There's a development there of church relationships as well when we do that. A second practical idea is to pray through the word. This is a really cool practice, and um, one of the books that I referenced earlier, Praying the Bible, um, it it outlines that beautifully. And I'm not going to do it justice this morning, but the idea is that as you read scripture, you intentionally focus on that scripture and you pray along with it. So for example, if you were reading Psalm 23, you would say, um, hey, Lord, thank you for being my shepherd. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for keeping me from falling off a cliff. You know, you could pray along with, with that scripture, and I'm oversimplifying it, so I, I challenge you to get the book. It's not expensive, and uh, read that one. It's a good one to check out, but praying the Bible. Isaiah 55:11 says, it is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. If God If God chooses for his word to accomplish everything that he wants it to, then it doesn't hurt to pray along with it, right? That can't be a bad thing. Um, Another way to pray along with the word, I actually have a friend who has done this for many, many years. Every year she purchases a new Bible, and she prays through it, and she writes in the margins what God is speaking to her as she prays. And she often will gift that Bible to somebody at the end of the year. That's commitment. She's, that's a cool way to do it. But you can take your Bible. You can write in a journal or write, write, in your, write, write in the Bible as you're reading it and praying. Find out what the Lord is speaking to you. Another method is journaling while praying. And this method allows you to pray and pause while you're journaling. Um, I personally love this method. I implemented it over in Life Kids several times where the kids would have a journal or a piece of paper. And we would pray something and we would pause and listen. And then we would write in red pen what we thought God was speaking to us. You know there's no junior Holy Spirit kids can hear from God? 
In fact, I think they hear better sometimes than we do because they have nothing else in the way. So when we listen, God speaks to every single one of you in a different way because you are a unique creation with a unique personality. But when you spend time with him in this way and you pause and let him speak to you, you may hear him in the word. You may hear him in your heart. You may hear something in your mind. You may have an idea that he's speaking to you over and over and over. And as you begin to journal that and write it down, it becomes a true communication between you and him. I like to take uh, a journal or a piece of paper and write my prayer request down. And then when God answers it, I write it in red, cross it out, and I can look back and say, God answered my prayer on that day at that time. It makes our faith uh, grow and it helps us to remember we can look back and see what God has done. A couple other things you can do is things like guided prayer apps or prayer books or prayer guides. Um, we use version here. Um, and so we encourage people to get along in, in our reading plan or another reading plan. There are so many reading plans about prayer just on version, And there are prayers there that you can pray along um, with version. There are devotional books. Many devotional books will have a prayer at the end of your daily devotional. One of my favorites, well-worn, a little ratty looking, is My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. There's a prayer at the end of every day. Another one that I love is A Psalm in My Heart by Dr. George Wood. A really great one if you really want to figure out how to pray in different ways. Prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of gratitude, prayers of forgiveness is Dick Eastman's The Hour That Changes the World. That's a circle, and it'll show you how to use your time. And one of my favorite practices of praying is to pray right away. Just pray right away. Don't put it off. If somebody comes to you and shares a need with you, stop what you're doing. Let's pray together. I'm going to pray for you. Don't say I'm going to pray for you. Pray now. And when a need comes up, if you can pray out loud, pray out loud. If you can't, pray quietly. Write it down. Come back to it later. But pray. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, never stop praying. We can pray all the time when we make it our practice. So most of these are just tools, right? They're, they're not anything super spiritual. I'm giving you something practical. But together, when we practice prayer, God moves. He changes things. He changes us. And he gets us on track. And we begin to develop that loving relationship. My last thought this morning is the one that I believe is the most important. And if you don't remember anything else that I said today, if you don't write anything down, I would encourage you to remember this. We've looked at why we pray, we look at what we pray, and I've even given you some practical methods to put in place. But there is a way to pray that never fails. This is foolproof. When I tell you if you pray this way, it will never fail, I mean it. 1 John 5, 13 through 15 says this. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. And we are confident that he hears us when we, whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. When I memorized this in VBS when I was a little girl, it said, when we ask anything according to his will. The Expositor's Bible Commentary says, a strong faith is a praying faith dependent on God's power and will. When we pray according to his will, 
It's foolproof. It never, ever, ever fails. But how do we do that? How do we know that we're praying according to his will? I want to tell you a couple ways that we can know that. First of all, the moment that we ask Jesus to be the Lord and leader of our lives and we hand our old life over and we take on the new life that he's given us, the Holy Spirit begins to live inside of us and he begins to change us. He begins to change our minds. He begins to change our motives. He begins to change our hearts and they become more like him. And so the more and more we allow the Holy Spirit to change us, the more and more our prayers will change from being our motives and our desires to becoming his motives and his desires. And we stop praying for the things that we are selfishly wanting. And we are praying in a way that he has shaped and he has changed. And we begin to pray the heart of God. And when we're not sure, we pray according to his word. We look in his word and we see what his word says because his word never fails. I read that earlier. But sometimes we're in situations where it's confusing and we don't know what to do. We don't know how to pray. There have been times when in the middle of the night, I don't know how to pray. God, I don't know what to ask you. And those are the moments when we can pray the prayer that never fails. It's easy. God, I want your will to be done. Accomplish your will in this. God, you move the way that you want to. Take me out of this and do what you're willing to do. He always makes sure when we pray that way that he answers our prayers. Prayer is a privilege because we don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be able to go into the presence of a holy God and ask him about everything that concerns us because we're selfish, we're broken, and those things should keep us separated from him. But we're allowed to spend time with him, to listen to him, to communicate the heaviest things on our hearts with him. He's given us this precious gift because of what Jesus has done for us. Because of the sacrifice that Jesus made, we're allowed to go into the presence, not just but allowed to go into the presence of a holy God, but welcomed in as his children. We don't have to look for somebody better than us. We don't have to hope that today's the day that we're good enough. We can go right into his presence and we can approach him boldly at any time, with anything, in every moment. And we can be confident that we are welcome there we are loved, we're listened to, and we're answered. When I went back to answer the question that that first grade girl asked me in chapel that day, I was able to remind her that God loves her, he cares about what's important to her, and most of all, he wants to hear from her and he wants to speak to her. And that's who our God is. The more we spend time with him, just like our earthly relationships, the more rich, the more deep, the more precious that relationship becomes. Before you leave here, I want you to do a couple of things. We're gonna get practical this morning. If you wanna open up a note on your phone or if you have a piece of paper, I want you write to write down one thing, one practical thing that you wanna implement. Starting today, 
Maybe it means that you want to start praying the word. Maybe it means that you want to get a new devotional book that you can pray along with. Maybe it means that you want a prayer partner, somebody that you're praying with on a regular basis. Maybe it means that you're clearing out a space in a room where you have a chair that's quiet and you need to spend some time with him. Maybe you need to do something different. Try something new and deepen your relationship with the God who loves you. And the second practical thing that we're going to do, because it seems foolish for me to talk about prayer this morning and not invite you to pray, is we're going to pray. So the worship team is here. They're going to lead us in worship. And it's fine if you want to worship along. But this morning, if you want to just practice the practice of prayer, I want you to find a place of prayer. That can be kneeling. It could be sitting. It could be standing right where you are. You might want to grab the hand of the person next to you if they know you. Otherwise, it might be weird. But you might want to grab the hand of the person next to you and pray together. Pray together for a need, either for you or for someone else. Pray that God will move in your lives. Pray that God will accomplish his will. These altars are also open. Our prayer team's going to come up a little later. I'm going to be with them. But you can come right to the altar and pray. So as the worship team leads us, let's practice our relationship with God. And let's pray this morning.